Hello, everybody, and welcome back to At the Elephants. I'm your host, Rob Morris, and we have another awesome Monday episode for you today. Um, I am so excited to have this interview. I keep calling him that. I guess I'm doing that. I'm so excited to have this conversation uh, on the show because it is starting to get deeper into what I feel like is the emerging theme of this season. So uh, I don't want to go on and on about this because this is going to keep coming up. But when I first started doing this show, um, I was mostly talking to my friends and we were all, you know, in our mid to late 20s and getting out of school and getting work and not getting work and, you know, moving around and doing different things. And it was very much a, a story about beginnings. And I definitely talked to faculty and got uh, different stories, but a lot of what I was hearing as I did it conversations over and over was from that perspective, from that younger perspective. And now that I'm doing the show again, again, I'll be talking to all sorts of different people, but a lot of who I am catching up with are people my own age in uh, our late 20s, uh, a little bit, mostly into the 30s. And what the experience is like over a decade out of a place like School of the Arts is fascinating to me. Um, man, it, it I, I heard some of this before when I first started doing the show. I, I, I sound inarticulate because I'm, I'm very much saying this off the cuff like I always do, but because I want to choose the right words for this. And there is something very specific that happens to us after we've been trying for a number of years, whether we succeed in that or not, or do it for a while or take a break or go do something else, there's something specific that happens when you're trying to do something that people so regularly, um, doubt, you know, um, it's almost like being an Olympian or something. Like you tell people that you're going to do it. And if they don't already know you can do it because you have a medal or something, they're like, okay, yeah, good luck. And I think being an artist in general deals with a lot of that. Um, we're going to get into that today on the episode and we're going to get into that on a lot of the episodes that are coming up. The schedule looks like for a while, we're going to have an episode on Monday that I filmed in person and then an episode on Thursday that I did over Zoom. So for a while, that's kind of how it's going to roll out. We're still going to be doing two a week, it looks like, for the rest of the year. And um, for a little while, I'll be able to do like an in-person and a digital uh, episode every week. So look out for that. Today's episode is with Mr. Joe Seth Flanders. Joe Flanders is one of my best friends. Uh, we were roommates before. He has done this show before. Um I would definitely encourage you to go and listen to that episode if you, especially if you enjoy this one. Um, maybe if you, if you kind of like this episode about 30 minutes in and you haven't heard the original one, I would even pause it and go back and listen to that because, um, it's, there's a lot of backstory in that first episode with Joe that I feel like lends itself well to what he talks about in this episode. What he talks about today with us uh, what he shares with us in regards to what's going on with him um, is something that he's very vulnerable about and is a very personal thing that I really appreciate. I don't want to shroud it in too much mystery, but I also don't want to give away like kind of where this is going. Um, 
but I really appreciate him coming on and sharing what was going on. And I've had a number of those conversations on this show, some of which have not come out yet, where people have shared what's been going on with them. And I think it's really important that they do that because there are a lot of people out there who need to know that this can be part of the journey and that there are ways through and around it. So uh, we don't have to wait any longer. Let's get right into it and catch up with Mr. Joe Flanders. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Yeah, thanks again for the coffee, man. Needed that shit today. Of course. I'm out. Ah, uh, we have dreaded. cold. We have cold, and I always keep grounds and make hot coffee. Yeah. Um, but I'm out of the hot coffee, which is my go. I have I have a hot coffee every morning. Yeah. And then my wife is all about the cold coffee. And then as the day goes on, I might have a second cold coffee thing, but I gotta have the hot first thing in the morning. But I didn't have it today, and I just had a cold as a substitute. It doesn't work. It, I mean, it's not, it doesn't work. I mean, it does yeah. what it's supposed to do. But it doesn't hit the same. You, Because you're a coffee dude. Are you still drinking coffee? Are you chilling on coffee? Uh, Well, after... um, After... It was one of the weird effects of, like, my multiple panic attacks and everything I've been through. I just, on a dime, was like, I don't want coffee. Really? Yeah. Like, and mentally? Was, or, like, someone told you, like, maybe No, you nobody should. told me anything. I just had no desire for it. Like even the first, it was actually before that. It was even like, cause I was making it and taking it with me to work. Sure. And just not really drinking much of any of it. And I think it's cause I was so like frazzled and fried. When you and, said, when you said refresher yeah. from Starbucks yeah. before this, cause yeah. we did a little pre-order. We did. I was like, what? Oh, cause you're, you're a like, you, you, when we lived together, yeah. as people who uh, know you from the previous episode of the podcast or uh, my life, uh, just know we lived together um, when I first got to Los Angeles for yeah, a couple of years. Several years. And you were um, you're doing a lot of editing yes. at the time. That was like the bulk of your your side work when you weren't actively on something. Yes. And you were uh, black, right? Cream, but no cream, sugar. Cream, no yeah. sugar. Yeah. Yep. Just like really, really putting it away. Yeah. And so to hear when you said refresher today, I was like, what, this is a new Joe. It is. It is yeah. a new Joe. It is. Uh, yeah. Now I've gotten back to, I, I'm drinking decaf now. Okay. So I, cause I still do enjoy the process of drinking coffee. You like the, you like the taste. I do. Yeah. Yeah. There's the something taste. that you have it in the morning still, or are you? Yeah. Okay. Something about that warm man, it is one of those things that it's like so many things on a list of when you're a kid and adults try to explain to you about things that are going to happen to you later. Yeah. They're like love, sex, coffee. alcohol, and coffee. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you'll get it. When you're a kid, you're like, this is all of the things I just listed are disgusting. Yes. I don't want any love. I don't want any alcohol. I don't want any. This is the worst thing that I've ever put in my mouth. Yes. And yet later you're like. Oh god. I can get through this. I'll throw now. out the sex sometimes. <laughs> yeah. This is the deal. I'll take Just this. Just give me my coffee. We'll go with that. Yes. 
when did you, this is, I don't care if this is interesting for people or not, but when did you make the transition? Like when did you start drinking coffee? When did that become a thing for you? Freshman year of college. And it felt like I need it. Like it was like a task. Like I didn't enjoy it at first, but like, you know, like you go to Walmart or Target for like your freshman dorm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I got to get a coffee maker. Yeah. Just ignoring the fact that I didn't drink coffee, nor did (laughs) I like the idea of it. I was like, I'm in college now. This is what I must do. We have to do that. As you said, I've been told my whole life. Yeah. It's going to come up. And so that's when I started drinking it. And it was mainly purely for the caffeine initially of like, oh, I'm working on a paper, going to make it romanticized sort of like all nighter, you know, like, oh, the smell of the coffee in the tiny dorm room and all that. Uh, And then over time, I just uh, grew to enjoy it as everyone told me I would. Yeah, it's fucking Uh, the best. It It is. is one of those things where like I... I, I've gone, I, I mean, and it's weird because it's of all the things that I think I've had a bit of a dependency on, when I do have to truly go without it, it doesn't take me as long sure. to like get it, because like I'm doing Sober October right now, mm-hmm. so I know, which for me means uh, no weed, right. no alcohol, and um, low sugar, low carb. I'm mm-hmm. trying to do that for the whole month, and uh, exercise and stuff, yeah. and um at this point, it's weird because I, I feel like for the first two days, the coffee is like, fuck, I can't do that. That's yeah. why I didn't take off that as well. Yeah. It takes me like, but after like the third or fourth day with no coffee, I'm like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. It, it burns away. But like, I'm now like 16 days, no alcohol, no weed. And my wife was like, you feeling better? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, I feel worse. I feel bored. <laughs> And I feel a little bit like stressed out at the end of the day with no way to like neutralize it. Sure. Um, yeah. A lot of happy people during uh, this sober month. Yeah. Right. Is oh. it a national thing or did you just choose October? I can't. Isn't there a. No, I totally took it from like Rogan and Segura and okay. those guys doing it. Are they um, doing it? Okay. Yeah. They're doing it again. I think they took last year off. It's their fourth one. Okay. That they're, they've done it. Um, I'm, I'm way more of a. Tom Segura fan than I am a, a Joe Rogan fan. I love, I like Joe, but I, um, I follow him a little bit more closely of his book here, uh, yeah. in my, uh, living room. Cause I, I'm a huge fan of his, but I like, I, I've done this before last year, not sober October, but last year from like October to December, I took like daily fitness calorie count like really seriously. I was like every single day I'm going to burn this many calories at least. I'm going to make sure I take a two mile walk minimum, maybe longer, try to push it. Um, And to me, as someone who grew up really overweight, it is crucial for me to get these periods where I say it's not forever. Short term, I'm going to commit and I'm going to do it and it's going to end. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want to landslide back into just being a monster when it's over, which right. I never do. Right. It takes me a few months, sure. but it, it's a, it's a good thing to reset, I think. And I think no matter what your thing is, whether it's like sweets or drinking or whatever, take it, take a couple weeks minimum. If you can do a month or two, great a year, I would say mm. that's my total amateur opinion on dealing with like substance dependence and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But if you can, if you can do it once a year, I think it's like, man, it changes the game because it, it reminds, if you get through it and it doesn't kill you emotionally, <laughs> right. uh, it reminds you that you can yeah. and that you're like, I have, I like it. 
But if one day someone snaps a finger and there's a shortage and it's, it's gone and I can't have coffee anymore because, I don't know, Columbia <laughs> blew up or something. Yes. Like, well, no cocaine and no coffee and I'll figure it out. Exactly. You've learned that you can live without it. Yeah. A hundred percent. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's going great. I feel like we're here to talk about you, but, that, <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate the support. Um, anyone who listens to this show knows I'll uh, find a way to make it about me. Um, thanks for coming back to the show. It's your second time on At the Elephants. Yeah. And uh, so excited that you're here. I, I hit you up recently to ask you to do this, but to also uh, just catch up. We haven't seen each other in two years. or three years, maybe? Yeah. It's Definitely. been a minute. Definitely pre-pandemic. Yeah, pre-the-dark times. Yeah. Um, and we both got married. Yeah. That's a pretty big development. <laughs> yeah. Um, two uh, women that both of us have met, yeah. like the other person, significant other, uh, which is not true for everybody. There's a lot of people who were like at my wedding who met my wife For there. the first time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we were talking on the phone and you caught me up on like what's going on with you recently and yeah. you want to, can we go, can we talk about that sure. a little bit? Yeah. Um, so maybe let's go back a year or so ago and just talk about like where you were at kind of coming out of the pandemic and, and what you've been up to. Yeah. Well, uh, once lockdown started, um, I realized I wasn't thrilled with editing as we mentioned earlier, uh, depending on whether or not that made it into the episode. If not, no one will know what (laughs) editing we were talking about. Uh, but uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of freelance editing for years and, um, a lot of time by myself in the apartment and was like, this isn't why I got into entertainment. I I feel that right now, dude, I'm doing so much of it. I've gotten way better at it. I like taught myself. I, I used the pandemic to teach myself like premiere and Photoshop. And I like, I was like, I'm going to buy the whole suite. And I'm going to get to know these programs that I've been putting off for years. Right. And now I'm, I'm way like, I would call myself like pretty good. Yeah. And I hate it. I don't <laughs> like doing it. I want to, yeah. that you understand why other people get paid so much to have that be their full-time job. Right. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I just was, I did an infomercial that I also like directed, uh, for a product that didn't need to exist. <laughs> Uh, and just dealing with the crazy owner of the company and, uh, that kind of put me over the edge, but also I was like, I can sense the trauma in your voice from that experience, man. It seems rough. It was just unnecessary, (laughs) (laughs) but it paid pretty well. Sure. You deal with it. Um, I work in reality television. Sure. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm very familiar with the, well, because it's quite the check for a thing I'm not sure we needed to make. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to question, does this, does the world need this? Yeah. It's not my call. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, and so anyway, I was just like, all right, well, what am I going to do? We're in lockdown now. And uh, teaching had always been in the back of my mind as like a backup if I didn't quote unquote make it. You've been doing that though for a long time. That's not like a wild hair thing. Like you've been doing summers and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I've been teaching at a, a like teen arts summer camp um, for like six summers uh, in a row, and enjoyed that. That's where I met my wife. Um, she was not a camper for the audience. I am so glad you clarified that, man. <laughs> I knew it, but I was going to make sure that that happened. She, too, was an employee. Um, <laughs> she had done the program the year before. <laughs> yeah, she was an intern. No. Um, 
Uh, so yeah, I had done that. And so I always just thought, uh, I was a shitty student in high school. I think I could get through to the other, not even just disinterested. Right. Um, uh, knew I wanted to do movies and stuff like that. Didn't really care about anything else. Prided myself on, um, making it seem like I gave a shit. Mm. Like actively in my head, I remember in math class just being like, okay, now have a really determined look on your face. Like, like high school? To get, yeah. As a student, like I was just like, oh yeah, I'm trying to figure out this math problem, but boy, it's just, instead of actually just doing <laughs> the work. <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing acting exercises yes. in the middle of math. Yes. <laughs> to, to get by. And, so and that at least you get a pity C plus exactly. or something. That's yeah. all, you know, I would have taken a D minus. Um, and yeah, I would keep eye contact with the teacher or I would just stare at her until she would stare at me. So then I'd be like, all right, good. She saw, she saw that look of uh, Dude, that's trying. pretty brilliant. Because yeah. I will say, as someone who has been a teacher also, right. you, you're more lenient on those kids. And you're like, they're trying. Right. The ones who are like fucking off with their legs on the desk, you yeah. know, fidget spinner in their hand, you're like, you deserve to lose. Exactly. But, I'm not rooting for you. Yeah. Uh, but the kid who, who really earnestly seems like he's <sighs> trying. But you know what, Joe? I'll, I'd, <laughs> I'd give the pity grade to the kid who's at least willing to pretend like he's yeah. pretending to participate. And you know what, Rob? I got the pity grade. <laughs> <laughs> and as a result, I don't know anything. So right. it sucks for the long term. <laughs> and that's what I can tell my students. I'm like, look, right. I get it. You, you, you know, you're coming up with excuses for not doing this, that. The effort you're putting into that. Right. While commendable. <laughs> is really going to mess you up in the future. So anyway, I just always thought I could get through to those kids. And so, yeah, I entered a program um, to get my teaching credential uh, to teach U.S. history. I've always been a history guy. Oh, shit. Um, Not even like film and or drama or something like that. Like you're... I didn't know that I could get a credential to teach that. I didn't learn that until later, <laughs> uh, which I then promptly got. Right. Uh, a lot easier, yeah. Shockingly, um, not surprisingly, yeah. So, considering yeah, I just you've been that doing that for a decade, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I entered the program. I was taking some community college classes, just on like U.S. history stuff, because I was like, well, I don't have a degree in history, and my only qualifications is that I read books fairly regularly about history. Sure, but that was it. Hey, that's something. Um. So anyway, yeah, that was kind of like that. And then, um, you know, I was walking like four miles a day. I just decided to lose weight. Uh, you look great. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, you and I so, are both fluctuators. Yeah. We, we have bad habits, but a strong will. And definitely we're both fluctuators. And I, I can say objectively as someone who's known you a long time, you look really good. Thank you. It was, it was during our time living together that I was... Um, I didn't reach my peak. I, I got close to 200, which for me is just, that's way too much. I was over uh, 200 in high school. Yeah. yeah. And I was just eating fast food every worst. day. You know, Little Caesars that yes. I know we both would frequent. Oh, tore it up. Separately, might I add. And yeah. Then eat our own pizza. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to share a $5 pizza with you. <laughs> and I still just remember like, you know... In my head, feeling the guilt of it being four days in a row of like, well, it was Taco Bell yesterday, Little Caesars, McDonald's, and then Jack in the Box. So I would just like <laughs> beeline straight to my room and close the door because I didn't want anyone to see me. Eat, just you know? in shame. 
Yeah. Um, Which makes no sense because no, I was doing the exactly. same thing. Yeah, so none who of the us fuck? were a beacon of health. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I don't, I don't think Graham was exactly no. until, until he was with um, Joellen. Yeah. Then it, then they started like making cute dinners yes. in the fucking kitchen yeah. together and like making food at home because she was much healthier. We're both in our rooms with the door closed. Just like shoveling. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the light in. Uh, so then, yeah, a combination of just like giving a shit and eating less garbage, and then I always joke that um, Karina, my wife, like. Hand- she has the self-respect for me that I don't have in my, for myself. Mm. So by be living with her, then I'm like, well, no, I'm, we're going to have a normal dinner. That's a good partnership. Uh, it is. It yeah. is for real. Like no irony involved. That's really like a good, that's what I think. And I don't want to derail this uh, track about, uh, about what you've been saying, but I think that that is for sure. One of the things that led me to choose to get married was yeah. like, it's not just about what I want. It's not just about what I like. It's about what's good for me. That right. is so fucking crucial. And my, I, I, my, no one taught me that. Right. That was not in the family. My, my dad, I remember saying something like, um, he said, a, I'm going to mess this up probably. He didn't say it that many times, but he said it a few times. I think he probably stole it from a movie I haven't seen. But he said, um, a girlfriend is someone you want to spend Saturday night with. Right. And then uh, your wife is the one that you want to spend Sunday with. Got it. Yeah. So yeah. it's like you wake up the next day and you don't want them to leave. <laughs> yes, exactly. And But still, that was very much about desire right. and very much about like fun and what you like and what feels good. Not like who's who's going to be good for you to be with right. and encourage you to take care of yourself without being like naggy or right. pushy yeah, about no, it. Not at all. So it's cool that you found that. Yeah. And clear, you look great, and it seems like you're on a much healthier track. That's probably part of it. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, I was a substitute teacher for uh, in L.A. last school year, and that like was- public high school? Uh, middle school. Oh, shit. Yeah. I love middle school, teaching-wise. Yeah. I really was, do. I I never thought I would want to do middle school because I hated middle school so much. Sure. Um, like a majority of people do, did not have great middle school years. Yeah. Because it's so awkward and you're, you know, it's just like, I was, somebody asked how it, how it is. And I just like, I forgot like the disparate, uh, the, um, uh, like just somebody is super tall and then somebody is half their height, like two boys. Yeah. In the same grade. Yeah. And it's just, or, you know, a very, like, undeveloped boy sitting next to, like, a developed girl, yeah. you know? And you're just like, what a shit show. I'm so yeah. glad I'm not a student in middle school anymore. I, uh, You know, it's crazy. And this is one of those things that it continues to make me feel like I, I'm just a freak overall. Mm. I My favorite years, K through 12, 7th and 8th grade. You're in the minority. I know. I applaud I, you. I've talked about it over and over again. Yeah. I, all of high school, I fucking hated almost all of high school. Yeah. I was like terrible experience. But seventh and eighth grade, I felt like I figured it out. Yeah. I was like, I think I have this going. And they're like, your grades still aren't great, but you're not failing everything anymore. Because sure. sixth grade, I like failed everything. I was like, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. And then I got to seventh and eighth and I was like in the groove and I figured out how to like humor the teachers enough yes. to get by. And then there were other teachers who I actually like really clicked with. And I was like, this is like a cool relationship. I'm becoming an adult. Right. And they, some of them would treat me like adults. Right. And that started to feel fucking cool. Yeah. And then when I got to ninth grade, they were like, 
you know what would really help this kid is if he were in harder classes because he's so smart. He's not motivated because the work is too easy. Right. And so they put me in pre-AP everything. And then I went back to failing everything. Of course. Because they were like, we expect you to do homework. And I was like, that's what I don't do. I don't (laughs) do that. Like, do you have a non-homework program? They're like, yeah, put it back in the dumb classes with the dumb kids. Yeah. And so when I got the chance to teach... I had such a great experience with it because, and I don't know if you had this experience when you were doing middle school, but like they're in that crucial middle period where they still have a little bit of the youthful, uh, they're not quite jaded yet. They can be, but they're mostly not. They still have a lot of that like enthusiasm and imagination and the stuff that makes elementary school kids like fun to teach, but they're, they haven't yet decided who they're not. Right. And and what they think they are and all this kind of shit isn't quite in the mix. So they're listening to you. If you treat them like adults and give them a chance to like act like grownups, mm-hmm. I've found they're way more malleable as students at like seventh, eighth grade than they are when they get to high school. That was at least my experience. Did you get that at all? No. They didn't listen to you at all. <laughs> they didn't give a shit. No, what some of what you're saying is definitely true. Uh, I think the eighth graders in particular had decided who they were mm. while still obviously having all the insecurities of not knowing who they are. Oh, for sure, because they don't know anything. Right. Um, and uh, I mean, there was one week where uh, I had done some gym substituting, which was funny <laughs> because... I love you. I'm not laughing. No, to hurt I your don't feelings. look like a gym teacher. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, and what was funny is I knew as much, if not more, about sports than all of the gym right, teachers. Right, of course. I'm a huge sports fan. But yes, you are. I come from a long lineage of sports watchers, uh, not players. Right. <laughs> uh, but when I'm the only, because there's like 180 kids in each period, and it's what? all outside, and there's three teachers or four teachers. No, it was like 150 kids, and there were three teachers. Holy shit. And so that's crazy to yes. me. Yes. I got fortunate because when I was teaching, I was at a school for kids with like learning disabilities. It was yeah. like a private school. So our maximum class size, I think PE was the biggest class size. And that was like 14 kids. Mm. So yeah. when I was teaching like <laughs> drama, my biggest class was like fifth grade and it was like 11 kids. Oh, wow. I never had more than 11 kids at a time, which is how yeah. it all should be. Well, yes. Yeah, it should be. Fucking 30, Uh, 40 kids in a classroom is insane. It is. Yeah. And that's what I'm dealing with now. Um, But anyway, it was fine when the other two gym teachers were there and I was the only sub because there was still structure and everything else and whatever. I just walked around and swung the whistle and, you know, keep walking. Yeah. But also I could just relate to like the kids that clearly were like, not going to walk around, you know, just the angsty, emo, whatever. I was like, yeah, it's fine. Good it's to know fine. they're still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're there. <laughs> uh, but the other, you know, the other two, they're nice people, but, you know, just, hey, get all the, get all. you know, just all <laughs> yeah. the screaming. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. But uh, there was a week where they asked me to sub and didn't mention that the whole department got COVID. What? So it was only subs. 
And I didn't know that until I showed up on Monday. And so as you were talking kind of glowingly about the middle school experience, all I could think about was just the multiple kids who never left gym uh, and stayed in their uniforms because there was anarchy. There was only subs. Holy and, shit. Uh, it's like the movie know. The Replacements. Yes, No exactly. one is qualified to be here. Yes. Yeah. Kids were climbing up chain link fences and breaking into the... Uh, weight room and all this other stuff and yeah my experience know. teaching also is in an inner city los angeles <laughs> yes. which is like very <laughs> i can't imagine yeah so anyway um but there were i mean there were obviously plenty of good kids and everything else but uh but yeah when i got ended up getting a job at the high school um the faculty said like oh if you if you did middle school then you'll be fine Mm. And uh, and the kids have been the kids are great, so that's not really an issue. That's so, awesome. Yeah, and then so yeah, I got my um, first job at a high school, and I'm teaching three video production classes and three history classes. What uh, is the history, and what is the video production? Like, what are you, what are you teaching them to do? You can do one at a time. Uh, for the video production, I mean, it's basically just like 101 um, filmmaking stuff so they filmed a couple projects on their phone um like is know. it more about equipment or is it more about storytelling or uh more about storytelling um but we have some equipment i mean there i got lucky there's a lot of uh there were some resources for this public LAUSD high school great um which well was... if la can't fund its fucking production <laughs> film class i mean if they're going to make any goddamn money when they leave this school, it's one of the only industries in town <laughs> right. they can safely cruise over to be like a PA and shit like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been, yeah, I mean, they're doing like a screenwriting unit right now, storytelling unit. Um, and then uh, next semester, we'll introduce, I'll introduce music videos and uh, different forms of material that, you know, I, I'm kind of pitching it as like, you can do this stuff with your phone and a few lights, you know, like, and make some money. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing local commercials or social media posts or music videos for I mean, whatever, a couple hundred bucks that, yeah. like, for a 17, 18 year old. For sure. That's just crucial. In the summer with the main thing being a camera, which they all have already in their phone. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, I'm just trying to kind of, and I'll go into the different careers of the entertainment industry and, have uh, some of our alumni friends um, come in and talk about being managers or agents or producers or this, that, or the other, and just kind of, um, yeah, give them a, a a little taste of what could be possible if they are so inclined. If you uh, if you need someone to come pitch uh, trash TV producing, yes, goddamn, is it lucrative? Yes, and they don't ever stop making it no They'll never stop making it no it's like a code that got cracked in the late 90s they were like we can fill the whole schedule and it doesn't cost shit in comparison you know exactly um <laughs> so yes i there. would love for you to oh happy to happy to, to come uh at some point so what about history what, what does that consist of <clears throat> um well there's no state test for history that, that the true? kids have to pass. Yes. I guess that I remember. Yeah. It was reading Which, and math. Yeah. And so really 
Uh, you just have to give them primary source documents, things that will help them on the tests they do have. Primary you know? source doc. I don't know what that means. Primary source document would be a letter written in 1775. Oh, okay. You know, uh, the secondary source would be the textbook that writes about the letter, you know. Okay. Um, and so there's uh, more leniency in exactly what uh, is being taught. I mean, I'm just having them go over the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and how our government works because yeah. we uh, do not have a very smart electorate in this country. That's true. And I'd like my students to know how this stuff works. So your your class is almost closer to like a civics class in, that, in that regard. So far, yeah. Um, and they are taking U.S. government next year as seniors, but I don't care. I yeah. just want to I'm basically Let's just go twice. the same thing. Uh, repetition in this day and age when you have to keep getting things in front of people yeah. for them to absorb it exactly. teach them that shit twice so they're not like what do you mean he's impeachable <laughs> right like yeah. well <laughs> <laughs> checks and balances yeah exactly the senate can impeach <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh the legislative branch um and so, yeah, I mean, doing a lot of that, I mean, uh, the guidelines for the state say that we should be starting the year on the Industrial Revolution. Why? Uh, because, and it's not just California, but most states, you have history in eighth grade, U.S. history, and then not again till 11th grade. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I had that. And, and then like freshman year was like world geography or world culture or something like that. Yeah, that one's a little more diverse. Ninth grade, a different, you know, but uh, the consistency has been that. And then 10th grade's world history. 11th is U.S. and then 12th is uh, government, I, I believe. Uh, so I was like, well, a lot of them don't know what the three branches of government are. So For real? What grade? 11th. Whoa. And uh, so that's what we're going to do. That's crazy to me. Yeah. And it's... I don't, you know, it's a lot of it, I think it's just the, the loss of the lockdown year and a half. In sure. LA schools yeah. I can't judge. That's it. fucking crazy. We didn't go through something like that. No. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I just said, well, you know, Teddy Roosevelt is important, but I'd rather they know again how the country works. Right. Uh, and I'm going to try and get to some of that, you know, the other stuff. I mean, I do want them to have context but anyway that's that's kind of and then the ap u.s history is just a mad dash sprint uh because they have to take a test and right you're basically covering everything in a day i remember that that's one of the few things that of course was not in that class but when i was in high school i do remember like brandon was in that class and a lot of my other smart friends i remember that being like one of the more brutal classes of high school that anyone could take other than like some of the advanced math stuff and anyone who was in that was already good at math anyway right, so, so it, wasn't, it wasn't that hard but the law i remember people a push they called yes. it and a lot of people would be like jesus god this class it's like we're in fucking college already yes it's so intense <laughs> it is uh what's the point of that you think like the volume of knowledge because if i'm no if i'm not mistaken what i remember from that was it wasn't just it's not like it was hard stuff to know, you know, it wasn't like math where it's like, if your brain doesn't understand how these pieces work together, it's, it's just hard to get. It's just the volume yes. of stuff that you have to know. I can't imagine the retention being that high. I think that that's 
very real. Uh, I have mixed feelings about the whole class. Yeah, I don't uh, want to get in trouble yeah, or anything. No, no. I just like. I mean, I think we're it's, talking about a big thing here. I think the. I think. The point of it is to simulate a college class so okay. that students who are going to college feel as though, oh, OK, this is kind of like the class I took last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or two years ago since they were in 11th sure. grade. Um, and the students that are taking my AP class also take multiple other AP classes. Of course. And yeah, so it's, it's usually whole, one. You're doing the whole course load or whatever. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that that's just a, a whole different challenge because there's no way to teach the content and the test skills that you need to do yeah. in the period. So they have to take notes at home on the content and then I'm teaching the skills. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, we're talking about all the, all my students and classes. The reality is I made it a week and a half into the school year before I had multiple panic attacks and, uh, um, uh, had to go to the ER for the second one because my heart rate was so high and it's for a lot of reasons, and we don't need to turn this into therapy. Uh, no, but we can talk about whatever you're comfortable with, because <laughs> I think, and I I know this, we talked about this on the phone, yeah. this is not brand news to me, um, but I do want to kind of give this a heads up for anyone listening to this of why I want to talk about this and why I think this is really crucial, is we went to a school where the grind was highly celebrated, the 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 work ethic was maybe the one thing that felt like tied us all together. And there was always some shit talk. He was like, oh, you know, film students don't have as many classes during the day or, or you know, drama students are just fucking playing with, you know, in the dark with like leotards on. Right. That's not, you know, then there's some, there's some stuff slung, but I think anyone in their own school would vouch for how hard that school was going. Yes. And it was told to all of us, whether it was DMP or whatever, in the beginning, you're all talented that, or we wouldn't have let you in. So if you can ditch that insecurity uh, when you get a chance, yeah. but the thing that will be tested here is not how talented you are. It's how hard you can work. Right. And that will show you whether or not you're truly meant to be an artist or be in the business or whatever. I don't know that I want to spend this podcast cracking open whether or not that's the right way to go. Right. Um, yeah. But I think we can all agree that's very much how it was taught. Yes. I personally thrived on that because I had always been a slacker yeah. who didn't think I was a hard worker. And then I got there and I was like, oh, it turns out I'm willing to work very hard yeah. on the things that are if interesting to me yeah. and if I care and, it, you know. Right. Um, but what we did not talk about, and it, and it came up at school with me and my friends and in class, even sometimes how we didn't talk about mental health, no. how to make sure that that grind and that work ethic doesn't grind you into fucking powder. Yes. And, um, and, and a lot of times we just kind of springboard out of that program at 22, 23, 25 in my case and go, the work ethic will save me. And if yes. things get hard, I'll work harder. Right. And, uh, that, I mean, I say it now and I, it sounds so stupid, but I really believed it. Oh, me too. I truly, yeah. truly believed that. And no one ever came along and was like, but not at the cost of your own sanity, right. of your own um, dealing with things in your life, you know, managing anxiety, managing um, uh, depression and those moments when 
you are grinding yourself into dust and seemingly getting nothing out of it. Right. Not paying your bills or not feeling fulfilled as an artist or not blah, 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 whatever your story was. So I, yeah. I invite you to share as much as you're comfortable with about what you went through only because I feel like it, it's man, we got to talk about it. We yeah. don't and we should. No. And I think kind of adding on to what you said, there's also this sort of like badge of honor of like an all nighter or, you know, and so if you're not- yeah. They would come in while we we're hand drafting and some upperclassmen would watch us all like dying over the drafting tables and they'd go up to the whiteboard and write draft faster and underline it and leave. Right. Thanks. Right. Fuck you. Right. Like that's, it seems cute at the time because you're like, oh man, they're so badass. I can't wait to be like them. Right. Meanwhile, I'm on the track to being as broken as they are about how to <laughs> yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah. You're but totally right. But yeah, you carry those things with you and, and yeah, I mean, we don't have to analyze whether the good and bad parts of that. I mean, I think to a degree, it is important to know that so many people are trying to do the creative things that we were taught. So you do have to work hard to get ahead, but right, right. understanding what that means, right. what does work hard mean? Yeah. <laughs> and what else? Yes. Not just work hard. Right. It's not work hard, period. It's no. a fucking comma. And there's a big discussion to have after that. Yes, exactly. No, that's absolutely right. So, and that's just kind of how I went through life, um, doing all the, you know, when you're, uh, working freelance, you're basically working 24 seven because you're looking for the next gig. You're always, you know, I was always working on whether it was writing something or being on set or, or editing, uh, because it was the thing that I wanted to do my whole life. It didn't feel like work to a degree. There was, there was like, there was no separation between work and the rest of my life, you know, right. like, uh, never went on a vacation, never did anything like that. Uh, and so that's what I brought into teaching. And as a student teacher, I had six periods. Of, I didn't have a planning period and uh, three different subjects. So then that's three things that I'm prepping for every day. And one of them is an AP class. And I'm like fucking I said, stressed listening to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can't do that with that kind of a job. Yeah. You know, like most jobs you don't take home with you. And I never understood that because I didn't have a real job Yeah, in the quote, you know, in the, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the literal I, sense. I think we all uh, know what you mean. Anyone listening to this? Yeah. Uh, and so I was just um, treating it like I would, treating lesson plans like I would a project that I was editing for a client. Uh, and you, but it's as if I was editing a, a project for a client, six projects every day. Up at 3 a.m. Like it's got to get done. Yeah. 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 And then waking up and doing it. And then, but it was the lesson plans and I was overthinking, uh, all the lesson plans. And so then I wouldn't be confident in them when I was doing them in front of the class, you know, like I was, I was still able to, you know, hi everybody. Everything's sure, great. You put you on know, the show. That's my, yeah. Um, I'm good at doing that, which I've learned is <laughs> good and bad. Um, that's the same kid in math class showing the teacher that everything is okay. Don't right. worry about me. Exactly. I'm not learning. Yeah. But don't worry about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so. So what was the first, and if you don't mind me asking, what was the first, because I, man, I will tell you, and this, this is, this is your episode, this is not my episode, but to just relate, 
I have dealt in the last few years with anxiety in a new way that never, ever showed up in my life. I never had a hint of what I've dealt with. Um, a lot of it started with going to Austin and doing the comedy club thing and yeah. having my hometown viciously cancel me on every platform and send me death threats and all of this crazy stuff because I wanted to do a fourth wall style pay to play mic. Yeah. Uh, and they were hoping that, uh, you know, uh, horrible things happen to my family, uh, by the hundreds. And, uh, I, you know, and it, it's such a small scale experience. Cause you know, it wasn't like some kind of worldwide or nationwide, uh, thing that happened to me. It was just in my hometown. It was my hometown. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I was gung-ho, watching too many Gary V videos, ready to just do and create and fuck the haters. And then the haters came for me. And I'm like, I think I'm dying. Yeah. Like I I'm I, I would have these shakes. Yeah. I would have um one of the craziest things that happens to me when I have severe anxiety and it starts to verge on uh you know on a, a panic attack for me is I feel cold. Hmm. I never encountered anything like that in my life. And I have to walk around the room and get like a jacket and like I'm I'm like warming up and it's like you know that feeling you get when you get really fucking cold and your body literally starts to shake. Yeah. That's what it would feel like. Hmm. But I'd be like in my apartment where it was, you know, in Austin with my dad, where it was like warm, I'm fine. The temperature is not cold enough, but yeah. why am I feeling like I'm outside in the snow? Right. It's so weird. And I didn't know that's what it was. I, I didn't, I didn't know how to, I mean, I'm, my uh, wife is finishing her uh, master's degree in social work as a therapist. And so God save me. Mm -hmm. That has helped so much in helping her, you know, having her talk it out with me. And she wasn't in that program at the time. Um, so that's, that's been a lot for me, but if you don't mind, what was your first experience with the panic attack that, what did you feel? What was kind of going on? And then how did you, how'd you process that? Uh, well, they both happened at school, which is unfortunate. While you were teaching? The first one happened during, uh, I was able to intro first period and then, uh, and then I just had to like call down to the office just like quietly, like, I need somebody to take over for me. They're like, what? Yeah. Why? Speak up. <laughs> I'm having a panic attack. How did you know that? Uh, it was as if my whole body, it felt like I had gotten like the, when you're having, when your heart stops. And you have the like, whatever the defibrillator. Sure. Is that the right word? Yeah. I don't know how often I've used the word defibrillator in my life. It's going to, it's probably only going to pick up now as we're getting older, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to start being a more relevant term <laughs> yeah. than it was in our 20s. And then what was the other one? Oh, every time, the only time I ever hear the word extremities is in relation to when a, a football player has a concussion and they say they had feeling in all of their extremities. <laughs> sure. Otherwise, I never hear that word. Yeah, it's rare. So, anyway, um, that's what it felt like, a defibrillator. Uh, defibrillator? You know, I, I thought it was writer. defibrillator. Defibrillator. I thought. Defibrillator. We're not good students. No. People listening to this know that by now. Didn't go to med school. Yeah. Um, so you're feeling like a like a pulsing kind of in your yeah. chest? It wasn't even, it was like a full body thing. Like, and I was having wow. a hard time like breathing. And I've never had a panic attack before. Uh, so I just guessed that's what it was. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I went into the bathroom and just like, 
I had also been just like crying on the way home from school the first eight days and I didn't even know why. It wow. was just like a total... It was just really rough. Uh, I mean, I know why. It's because I wasn't sleeping very well. Yeah, because your eating. mind was crashing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, waking up in a cold sweat, worried about like <laughs> the first week of school. I was doing like a uh, get to know you kind of community building teamwork since film is very collaborative. Like I gave each group like 20 marshmallows and 20 uh, like dry spaghetti sticks, spaghetti noodles. And it was like the spaghetti tower challenge where okay. you could build the Whoever built the tallest. Sure. Tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was up at 3 a.m. and I could not go back to bed in a cold sweat, worried how that was going to go. Wow. Like just so in my head. And it wasn't even really about that. No, it was right. just being in over my head overall. Uh, Some imposter syndrome, maybe? Yeah, yeah definitely. Am I, can I do this? I you fuck know, with I that all the that. time. A lot of negative voices. And it went fine. It was fine because it was the spaghetti stick challenge. Right. What's going to go wrong? You know, it's like, oh, are they not going to do this? You know, it's like, no, yeah. they're fine. The kids are great. So anyway, it was just a lot of that. And so the they sent me home for the next couple of days. And then I tried to go back the following Monday. Uh, and then it was before uh, class had even started. Um, uh, it, that one felt like just pure like a heart attack. Uh, and so like, I like, you feel like your body was like, we tried to tell you the other day. Yes. Yeah. Like, like we what are, are you doing? We already did this. Yeah. All right. Hit him again. Yep. Exactly. Like the little, little general in your head was like, he's not listening. No. Yeah. Um, and so I like was able to get out of my room and kind of, st uh, stumble over to the door of another first year teacher. And I like lightly knocked on it several times and, uh, you know, freaked her the hell out because I was sure. like, I can't breathe. Uh, and so, yeah, the, you know, the paramedics were, were called and, um, my heart rate was so high they they took me to the ER and then I was able to calm down and, uh, yeah. So then I, I went on medical leave. Um, and so I've just been interacting with kids through the, uh, online portal we use. I'm still doing the grading and lesson planning and, uh, and so it's been, um, yeah, I learned a lot about myself uh, in this process. Been doing therapy. I'm on medication now. <laughs> was diagnosed with ADHD because I didn't know I had that. And that made sense. That's yep. why part of the reason it was taking me eight hours to do lesson plans. Right. It's because I'd get distracted, but then I'd be, it was like a weird OCD, AC, or ACT, <laughs> whatever the hell. Listening ADHD. to ACDC. Yeah, and <laughs> ACDC. Yeah. Uh, looking for AAA batteries. I was just all, you know. Right, uh, right. <laughs> thinking of other a letters <laughs> i got it uh but um yeah so it's been really good for me but yeah i just learned a lot about and i think some of it does go back to the you know going back two days later after having my first panic attack i think is this kind of stuff that was ingrained with uh, uh ingrained in us at school of the arts and, right and even outside of, like there's such the culture of la when you're in this shit is like well what are you working on what are you doing what are you, you da, 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 da. And it's valid. It's legit. That's in, yeah. That's huge. In moderation. You yeah, know? but uh, I don't think that. I think that's way turned up here. But I, I found especially going back to Austin and and talking more and more to people who don't do the kind of stuff that we do. It's not exclusive to us. It's kind of an American thing. Yeah. Which is like, so what are you up to? The question that's really there, other than how's your family, 
is where do you work? Mm-hmm. Or like you meet a new person. Oh, hey, what's your what name? You oh, do? Joe, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which means like, how do you make money in America? That's right. the thing I want to know about you. Right. And if you are an artist or if you're a creator of some kind and you're in between making money for something, you feel like a fucking fraud. Yes. You're like, I'm a loser. And, and I, you've done shit. Right. And it's not like you want to be like, I made average Joe several years ago. Right. It was very successful. 15 million views. Yeah. Several like, years ago. They're like, <laughs> because even if you do that, people are like, oh, it's cool. What are you doing now? Right. Like, fuck. Exactly. Exactly. When, do, what, when is it enough? <laughs> exactly. And I think that I defined my self-worth by what I was creating um, when I was really doing the creating. Happens when you put um, your name on it, too. Yeah. your face. Whether it was the three seasons of Average Joe or like the two features uh, that I made in my 20s. Um, and I think as a result of that, uh, I didn't, I should have put more thought into what I was making, um, particularly with the features. Because uh, I was just like, I want to make my Mark Duplass, you know, uh, indie Sundance slice of life movie. Yeah. And it's like, well, he does that. Sure. But he's I make funny things. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really uh, good point. And I wasn't trying to just mimic him. I, the stories were very important to me at the time, and they served uh, different purposes for like what I was going through in my life. But it was just the always like, let's do it, you know? And I was yeah. able to make it happen and do the thing instead of just like taking a breath and being like, what do I really want to do? Why? Yeah, or why? Yeah. Why do I need to do this? Was it enough not to just write the script and feel like that was a nice, you know, like... I've done that before in the past with no intention of making something, but just as a way to like get over some traumatic event or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's like the letter that you write to your ex that yes. you don't send them. Yes. Go ahead and write it. It's not saying don't write it, but don't, you don't need to send it. Is that going to, and what effect will it have when you send it? Yes. That's a question I feel like we don't ask ourselves quite enough. We're like, because I, because I feel it, it has to be out there. And yeah, I totally, man, I totally relate to that. The amount of things that I've made that I look back and I'm like, why? Right. And even to this day, dude, I have that same experience. Like, I struggle. So this show at the Elephants is the only show I've ever made that I didn't rip off from someone else who was doing something and go, I just want to do the same thing, but I'm the star of it. Right. Like, yeah. I just want to, I'm going to do real time with Rob Morris. Right. I'm going to do getting robbed with high i'm yeah. gonna do like i just kept making shows being like i like their idea but i wish i was the guy right and yeah. i don't i don't regret doing those things because i learned so much about oh, yeah. what about endless endless i could talk forever about the things i learned doing those things but it it wasn't true to like what i had to say right or what i thought would bring other people value it right. was just because i want I, I wanted to yeah fuck you Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so I think that like, I've just learned, like I kind of that same, not really thinking things through I did when I agreed to the workload that I agreed to, you know, or it's like, well, of course I can do that. You know, I had hesitations, but it was like, well, I get to teach three film classes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and it was, um, but yeah, I just didn't think it through. And, uh, yeah, there was definitely some imposter syndrome in there. I mean, um, I realized that like getting fired from Rough House and and uh, alums, Danny McBride and those guys when I first moved out here right. had a lasting effect on me and I my self confidence. 
uh and you know um so yeah dealing with that and just dealing with a lot of things so i mean of of uh i'm coming out the other side i think i am going to try hopefully be able to go back uh earlier than my uh medical leave return date was suggested by the person who analyzed me right um and but one of the other things getting back to like any sort of creativity is like i just realized i need to have some sort of outlet to just you know i, I uh texted a buddy of mine from high school and we and you and i talked about it some too uh just let's write write some short scripts and shoot them over the summer that's one of the reasons i wanted to get into teaching i'd have my summers off you know and, yeah and to just do it for ourselves, which I think comes with time and not like, you know, who can I send this to and what can happen with it and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and just get back to why we enjoyed making things in the first place. Yeah. As artists. So, um, yeah, you know, we're kicking around just some goofy concepts that are just going to be fucking funny. Yeah. And we'll have a good time making it. And if them. nobody sees it, we'll have had exactly. a good time making it. Yes. Exactly. Let's uh, pause real quick. Yeah. We'll take a brief intermission and yes. then we'll come back. Yes. Awesome. Thanks, dude. I really appreciate you telling your story, man. I, I think it's really important. Yeah, it's thanks. Probably not the easiest thing to talk about. No. And I mean that and that's and I'm sure you understood, but that's why I was like, I'm comfortable like having this discussion. But yeah, I mean, you know, I was a little anxious about about doing it, but uh, yeah, I think it is. I mean, I've just I mean, we can kind of talk about this, but just like the number of people who have reached out to me, like just family and stuff who I had no idea, you know, they've had their panic attacks yeah. and shit like that. Like it's. Well, it's not like we talked about mine. Yeah, exactly. You didn't know. No, exactly. I had no idea. Um, and it's not a shame thing, but no. it's also like, when do you bring that up and how? Right. How is that like, oh, how are you doing? Oh, pretty good. The only reason it came up with you is because it so immediately affects what you're doing right now. Yes. And you're like, well, I'm, I'm teaching. And my next question is like, how's that going? And how well, do you answer that without, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, do you mind? Yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand. And like I said, I really appreciate it because as I kind of said in the preface to the whole conversation, no one fucking talked to us about this. Right. And the yeah. purpose of this, you know, show other than you know it's fun when it's entertaining but it's the the at the elephants is never never said to anyone or, or insisted like this is gonna be a fucking laugh festival right. like it, it's funny and yeah. i'm funny and sometimes other funny people are on it there's a million fucking comedy podcasts in right. the world and you can go dick around with so many people who are like having a fun time just trying to find a joke at every moment and i don't always enjoy the pressure of that even on the other show i don't feel like that's yeah. what i have to do all the time right and a show like this i mean it's just about the stories of a different alumni and what's going on with them and you know, yeah it's like a chance to just yeah kind of get to know people better you know yeah so. exactly but every time i bring this show back people say thank you they're like i'm glad this is a thing and after all of the different things i've made this is the only thing that routinely gets that reception right where they're like oh good i'm glad this is still you're still doing this even if it goes away for two or three years people are like there, there's at least i want to say there's probably like 10 people that are like 
let me know yeah. every time. They're like, oh, I'm so fucking glad this exists again. Thank yeah. you so much. But then there's also the people who didn't know I ever did it. Right. Yeah. You know? And they're just glad to have, I don't know, glad to have that connection again. Because that's why I started it. And that's why I always get back to it, which is like a year out of school. So I graduated in 2013. And a year out of school, I was like, fuck, I miss everybody. Yeah. And not just people I know. I miss being on campus and meeting new people. Right. And nowhere else I've gone in the world or any other community I've been involved in, whether it's stand-up or TV production or whatever, have I found another group of people that are kind of like the people we went to school with. And so I never really get over it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, all right, let's get back into it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you were talking about how you want to, and I know we talked about this on the last podcast, but you were just saying that you want to get back into making things for the reason that you like to make them because it's fun to make them and, right. to, and to work with your friends or your other, you know, collaborators, people that you think are talented or funny and, and just kind of make stuff that you enjoy. Two memories pop into my head when you say that that are so significant to me. The first one, which I know is on the last podcast we talked about, your senior film mm-hmm. um, that you made with uh, Jared mm-hmm. Thompson and yeah. Allie Bill, um, which I have no, you know, no concept. I say this all the time. I have no concept of what's going on on campus now. But when we were there, most of the student films were chuckle free. They were not exact. They were all trying to, uh, you know, they all felt like my chemical romance music videos with no music and just people (laughs) (laughs) who are sad or zombies or Nazis, or it's hard to be gay or it's hard to be different or it's hard to be what And not discounting those stories at all. They all should be told. And I'm glad, um, that they are sincerely, but it felt like the missing piece was comedy. Yes. And when I remember seeing your, your senior film and I'd seen your, uh, junior film too, Mm. but when I saw your senior film, I was like, I would like, it's kind of like, when you hear about, I don't know if you know the story of like how Napoleon Dynamite was made, but they made like the short right. and then of course they expanded it into the full movie that was the hit yeah. and they had, they got such a good reception, enjoyed it. I felt like that movie you made senior year was that first one where mm. I was like, if he remakes this, I'll buy a fucking ticket to this movie for real at yeah. like full LA price. I will spend $20 <laughs> and go see this because yeah. I, the story was interesting. The characters were well-written and it was fucking fun. Yeah. It just felt fun. Yeah. And it didn't feel like it was trying to do anything really big other than just tell this story. Yes. And I was so grateful for that. And I always appreciated that about your attitude towards making stuff. And that carries on to the time that we did the full end-to-end screening of Beach Week mm-hmm. and the in the film like village. Yeah. Yeah. And every, we all got wasted. Oh yeah. And it took us forever to make that movie. Yeah. We originally, you know, that it really was written, I think to be put out in episodes. Was that the original plan or was it written no, it was, to be a feature? Uh, it was episodic. Yeah. It was a web series initially. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and it's published out there now as that format, Yeah, but we all got together and watched a cut yeah. of like, as, as a if feature, it were yeah. a feature. Mm-hmm. And 
we knew what it took to make it. Yeah. We were all exhausted from getting it done. I can barely speak to it because I did not go through what you went through to make that movie. Right. But that day watching it in the theater, I don't, dude, I don't think I've really had any other experiences like that in my life. And I make a TV show that airs every single week and millions of people watch it and it's great. And I love that feeling, but man, being on set, 17 people in a hotel room (laughs) and really doing that, like we have no money grind of trying to get that thing done, recasting your fucking Juliet chick like (laughs) four times. Like all so many things that, you know, it took so long. And then the edit took so long because we all had to go back to fucking school and people went to jail. And it was such, you go listen to the last episode for that story. But that one day where we all sat next to each other in the theater and watched it, I can't, I, I, you're going to not believe me when I say this and listeners of the show will struggle to believe me as well. I struggle to find the words to express how good it felt and how how fulfilling it was on another level right to witness it done yeah and it wasn't it wasn't like the most amazing movie no but it was fucking funny it yeah. was funny even yeah. to us who were there when we shot it and the the theater was laughing yeah having a good time you know i remember uh one of the i don't know why this echoes in my memory but i was sitting near um Laura Henry, the mm-hmm. acting teacher from the drama school, and the credits rolled and it said and Brandon Harris. He was like the, the and. and credit. Yep. And she goes, That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. He got the and and well deserved. Wow. Yeah. Does he know? She was like looking around for him, like, does he know that's a big deal to get the and credit? And it just that silly thing that we shot at the beach being taken so seriously and getting the reaction. And I remember thinking then like, Oh shit. Cause I was very much on the track to be a theater director. Right. Yeah. I was like, Holy shit. Do I want to make movies? Yeah. I love this. I am like alive right now. And I, dude, we had a conversation on the phone the other day where I was like, and I, I didn't say it in these words. I want to say it to you now. I, I that's what I want. I want that shit again. Yeah. I knew in that theater, we're not all headed for stardom. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. I thought, like, we made our fucking foot fist way, and this is gonna be the thing that Will Ferrell fight. Like, right. No, yeah. I know that. I'm not yeah. delusional. But just that day was enough. Right. That was enough for me. It's such a high uh when all yeah, when you know how much work went into it. Uh and that's one of those things that nobody can understand if you weren't involved with it. And that's where it kind of is like, it doesn't matter what the audience thinks. It's like, you know how much work went into it and you can be proud of it. And I play a rapist in that movie. You do, yeah. Yeah. This is the movie we're talking about <laughs> yes, that I am yeah. so excited about. Yeah, right. And I, I am a sleaze bag rapist in this movie. Named Rob. Named Rob. <laughs> A part that was written for me (laughs) in mind. And uh, some of the lamest rapist dialogue, which is a weird sentence to say. It is. Uh, But man, yeah, I I think about it it left an impression on me. You know, we made a lot of stuff at school and not a lot of stuff leaves left that feeling in me when I was like, I just want to do this. 
This is why I came to the school. This is why I love these people. This is why I want this life. I want to feel like this. Yeah. Because we made a fucking thing and it's done and we're all watching it and we're laughing at it and we're having a great day. And we all had different shit going in our lives at that point, way after we'd made that movie. Oh, yeah. You know, people are graduating. Mm -hmm. People have got emotional relationships and all this crazy shit. all over the country. But we fucking took two hours- Less than that. We fucking took, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, we, we fucking took 80 minutes of our life to sit down and, and appreciate it. And man, I'm hungry for that shit again. Well, and that's the, that's kind of what I, because, um, uh, yeah, anyone who hasn't listened to the previous podcast or know who the hell I am, I created, uh, I did three seasons of a show called Average Joe, where I just played a idiot version of myself navigating the dating world. And it did it had a good audience and it came close on a couple of things to really popping. But anyway, uh, I still get recognized from it every so often. And the most recent time was like a week after I started my medical leave, uh, the ticket taker at AMC, like looked at me and was just like, dude, average Joe was the shit. Uh, and how did that feel in that state that you were in? I went to the bathroom and actually broke down. Really? Which had never happened before. I mean, it's, I've been recognized at like a Best Western in Conway, South Carolina. Yeah. You know, random ass play a Starbucks in Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying this happens all the time, but it's just, it happens just enough that, you know, it would always kind of like. More than it's happened to me, man. <laughs> sure. Um, but I think it was just because I was a week into this. I was just so, my brain was just so fried and I was dealing with all this stuff that it was just like, what? happened you know mm-hmm. like i was on this trajectory i felt like i was doing all this i mean this dates back to my 20s uh and it just it really kind of tore me up um and then i came out of that and was just basically thinking about what you were just articulating which was like the process of making the things whether it was beach week or uh a movie i did called mid to late that was all uh, alumni uh, acting in it and directing it and like the I, the the 11 days we spent filming that movie you know the camaraderie that comes from creating um, you know that is what means more to me now than the end result uh, and I think that just comes with time uh, trying to do this shit you yeah. know where um. yeah, you, you get back to, you know, because those feelings and a, another feature I shot up in Big Bear it was the same thing. It was this camaraderie with a, a ragtag group of folks making something. I mean, we shot that whole feature in like six days uh, and it was a grind, but you enjoy the. That's when you enjoy the grind. You've prepared yourself for it. You know what to expect. It's exciting filming at night when you've been up all the, you know, like that's when the adrenaline in a short amount of period of time, you know, you know, these six days are going to be instead of making that your whole life. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just the idea of creating and taking the work you're doing seriously, even if it's <laughs> fart jokes or whatever it is, uh, and having the passion for what you're creating, you know, that's what I realized I missed. And I think, you know, I, other scripts that were at various, you know, almost and could have been, I didn't feel that way about that. Mm. You know, I had been, working on or I'd been paid to write something from somebody else's pitch. And anyway, um, 
and so yeah, I just because I was I was like, why am I like so upset about this person recognizing me from a thing that came out like the last season came out like six years, like seven years ago at this point. Yeah. And it's, you know, a YouTube series and it's still is stuck with somebody, you know? And so yeah. I was able to be like, well, that was the feeling I had making that, you know, right. like, and so that's what I want to get back to. And I, and I think that for so many of us who end up, you know, uh, leaving the arts as a way of making money. I think there's a lot of alumni who end up just, you know, doing whatever else, yeah. uh, for whatever reason. But I think if, if you can kind of try to recapture what you loved about doing it and then finding a way to do it, I think it would be good for all of us. I think you're right. Um, and I think there's a, you know, it's a tough thing. Like, so my wife, for example, she grew up, uh, as a singer in choir after choir, took it very seriously, went to uh, San Francisco Conservatory of Music, classical voice major, and got a bet. And so she, at that point, right when she was like a junior, she'd been singing for over a decade as like, this is my thing. It's who I am. It's my identity. And she was like, no, I don't like this. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's not like I hate the practice of singing. I like to sing, yeah. But the idea of this being my job, my life—it's not even like, oh, I don't want to audition, or I don't like the idea of putting myself through the struggle of getting the work. It wasn't even that. It was, I don't want to wake up every day and get paid to sing, right? And she realized that she had just been doing it because it was the next thing. Like the way you kind of hear about some people who's like dad was a doctor and so they always were going to be a doctor and then they do pre-med and they start medical school and they're like, oh shit, I don't even want to be a doctor. I never did. Right. I've just been doing it because that's what was next. That was the next thing. And you get accepted to a place like School of the Arts, you grind yourself into dust over four years and then you leave and you're like, if I, if I go run a kayak shop, I'm a fucking loser. Right. Yeah. What was this all for? What a yeah. waste. And I go back to the same thing I always say about breakups. I think the worst thing, the most offensive thing I've ever heard during a breakup, and I know people say it all the time. It's been said to me. It's probably been said to you. I feel like I wasted my time. Yeah. I feel like this was such a waste of time. Why? Right. We had fun. Yeah. Just because it didn't turn into love, marriage, baby carriage, like- that doesn't mean it was a waste of t- like. Or do you only live every day for what's coming tomorrow? Right. What about fucking today? Yes. And it, it's there's such a spectrum of people who obviously like go right into super mainstream success. There's a small percentage of people who do that. There are the people like you and I who leave and maybe make average Joe or start working at comedy central or do something right out the gate that you're like, this is going pretty fucking good. I'm yeah. well, man, am I about to fucking go off on this journey? And then it takes some kind of turn or it goes in a slightly different direction. And then some way down the road, you, you kind of find yourself doing the hybrid, right? Like you're not, you've not abandoned arts. You're no. teaching film to kids. Yeah. Like your yeah. film is still a huge part of what you're doing with your life. Yeah. I'm not directing theater, but I'm making TV shows. I'm not making the TV shows I thought I was going to fucking make, <laughs> yeah. you know? I thought I was going to be on The Office and Game of Thrones and shit like that. Yeah. And I'm making reality TV. But I I like it. 
Yeah. And I feel good about doing it. And then there are the other people who do go run the kayak shop yeah. or become an accountant or whatever the fuck they want to do. And I think you're totally right. We don't spend enough time, and maybe this is part of the imposter syndrome or being at school feeling like we're fucking losers. We don't spend a lot of time being like, why do you like this? Right. And what what do you what do you want? What right. do you really want? Yeah. Do you want to be a fucking doctor, man? <laughs> For real, cut people open every day, write prescriptions, and like that's forever. Is that what you want to do? And we don't, we don't reflect. Yeah, it's too much about reflecting about that piece of thing you made, right? And did it get you what you wanted? And was it a waste of time? When it's like, no, it was fun. We went to the beach and got drunk and went to jail and got out of jail and made a fucking thing. Right. That's a story, dude. We were on the news. Yeah. Like, you know, and you go to AMC and there's that kid who's still thinking about that shit. Yeah. He's still like, man, I wonder if that's ever going to come back. I wonder yeah. if I wonder if there's going to be more of that. That was one of my favorite things ever. I'd still buy a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I'd still go to the convention and dress up as my favorite character. It was just, that was my shit. Mm-hmm. And- I think I think for so many of us, and I don't want to speak for you, you can speak for yourself, but I got into it because I was that kid. Right. I was the kid who bought uh, Banky's hat from Chasing Amy that Jason <laughs> Lee wore for like $30 on Kevin Smith's website. And to this day, as uh, controversial as that movie is, it's still one of my favorite films of all time. And, and I thought, I don't know if I'm going to make that but I, w- I want to give that to somebody else because you and I, we didn't give a fuck about what we were told we were supposed to care about. Right. And so we found other things we did that just we found in our own weird way because someone gave us a VHS tape or someone fucking was like, oh, come to my house on the weekend. And you watched it. You're like, what the fuck is this? And and you want to you wanna make that for other people. And I, man, I get so excited just hearing, just hearing that you are hopefully headed back to that. Yeah. And 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 that you you're not just like that was fun. You're like I'm not done feeling that way. Cuz I'm not done feeling that way. And I was done feeling that way uh after the the movie I shot in New York. Um cuz we went 1 for 23 on film festivals and Oof. that's how I was grading the experience, you know. Right. Uh because I I thought I still think it's a pretty damn good movie. Yeah. But nobody famous is in it. Right. It takes place 80% in an apartment and uh, nothing scandalous happens. Right. So. Just got a little heart. and Yeah. Got some heart. Got a good uh, closing montage sequence. What will Rebecca Wolf do? Right. Uh, and... Um, yeah, so I, I was just kind of like over it at that point because that's how I was grading the experience. You were letting everybody tell you right. whether or not you should be an artist. Right. You know, I didn't let the Sundance rejection hurt too bad, but when we couldn't make it into like the Kansas Film Festival. Ho- Hoboken's you know, Film. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and the one screening that we did go to was an L.A. one, but during the screening of our movie, it was myself the director and our girlfriends were the only ones in the audience. Uh, oh man, that hurts for me. Yeah, and you shouldn't you know. grade it that way. But at least Beach Week, we had like thirty people in there. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, that's tough, dude. Um, and you know, if that were the case now, then I'd be like, well, 
we're in a theater. There's a movie playing that we made that's on a big screen. Yeah. You can think about what went into the that scene. Yeah. What I learned about myself. Yeah. You know. And so just grading things totally differently now. So anyway, it's kind of more of what we've been talking about. But yeah, I just I think I've gotten back to the mindset I had when I was a high schooler and as you the, teach high schoolers. Yes. As I would let as few teachers could see my passion for filmmaking and would let me turn in video projects. And, you know, I would stay up till five in the morning. So I was so excited, which didn't happen often in high school yeah. for me. Uh, and just the the satisfaction of playing it on like a, you know, 18 inch t- mounted TV from the 80s yeah. uh, in the classroom. Uh you know, that made it all worth it, all the yeah. work that went into it. And so, yeah, just just getting back to that. And and I think uh, for all of us who maybe things didn't work out as we had planned, uh, I think it would be good for for all of us to do that. You know what I think comforts me about that, too, is like, I don't think there's any amount of success that prevents you from having that experience eventually. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's say average Joe had gotten picked up by something really big and they'd been like, here's a boatload of cash to make four more seasons, buddy. And you did it. And it was even bigger and everybody loved it. As soon as you finally wrapped it, because you were like, I think this is done. Yeah. I'm, I'm either tired of it or we've told the fucking story or I don't even know what else I'm going to do with this. Right. That's when it sets in. Yeah. It's like the expectation now is okay, kid, what's the next thing? And you, (laughs) It's like no no matter what you're going to you're going to face that music of right. like it's never you know I think often about you've seen Jim and Andy right the documentary that it's about oh, Jim yeah, Carrey yeah. playing Andy Kaufman oh, yeah. one of my favorite things and I've quoted this a million times people are probably tired of hearing me say it but my favorite line in that movie is he like famously wrote himself a check mm-hmm. for like 6 million dollars yeah, or before something he had like made that it. yeah and he his goal was to work towards that being a good check that he could cash. Mm. And they asked him in the movie, because he said something about like, you know, at this point I've completely lost all ambition. And they were like, how does the guy who wrote himself a $6 million check and then made it good lose ambition? And I hope I'm not paraphrasing this badly, but what he said was, because I got everything I ever wanted, I stood on top of it, and I was unhappy. Yeah. So who gives a shit? You know, <laughs> yeah, like who? Well, yeah, then, right. what's the point of ambition? Yeah. Like, right. you know, and man, it rings in my head all the time. Of like, I could get everything I think I want, and if I'm not locked into, why do I want it? Mm-hmm. Why does it have any value to me? You know what? Like, who gives a shit? Like, I you when we lived together, I was broke as shit. Just trying to afford our overpriced Silver Lake apartment. Now I'm not. I got a good job. I'm more comfortable. Uh, My relationship's not a total mess. I'm in a happy marriage. That stuff's all solved. And if that's all I ever cared about doing, I'd be miserable now that I have the things that I want. Right. So it's about on to the next stop. Like what what now? And now I'm in different paths, but you and I have come to a very similar point where we're like, okay, great let's make some fucking dick jokes man yeah let's go to the lake and shoot a wet hot american (laughs) summer in the rain and figure it out exactly and then sit in a theater get drunk with our 29 friends Mm -hmm. 
and and go, you know, Brandon has the and credit. It's actually pretty fucking good. That's a big deal. A lot of not a lot of people know that. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think it um it's early, but like what do you think is in the content of that like kind of stuff that you want to make other than it being funny and is there any are there any stories that are kind of rattling around your brain that you're like I really want to put this down? Um I mean a lot of it right now is just like we're just kind of swapping um scenarios that could bring out some comedy, you know, and just kind of where we're at in our lives now with baby showers and um gender reveals and how that can lend itself to comedy and um you know debates about having kids and uh yeah just all the stuff that's on our minds now and and you know I still just have the the grandiose thoughts in my head where I'm like well maybe you know each one could be like introing characters for a sitcom pilot and you know I still think big yeah of even course. though I'm talking about doing shorts I think that's smart because yeah, I think that's what ends like up that. tying it together and that's right. why even though it was a total wreck when it came out that's why you end up with something cool like arrested development right because they had a bigger thought yeah going on to what could happen with all these little seeds that they're planting along the way and the payoff is so fucking sweet when you actually think about it in a bigger way Exactly. And and each short would be a chance to get to know the characters better. And again, just in our own little lab and, you know, what we like and don't like. And then, you know, if there's certain characters from different shorts that we like, you know, kind of latch on to, we're like, oh, we should do more with that character, you know, and just, right. just kind of have our own little laboratory. Yeah. And if something comes of it, great. Again, yeah, I'm mean, just repeating myself on that. But uh, so, yeah, thinking about that, I mean, I, I thought about doing... um like an average Joe pilot where we I'm me now and not the Joe on the show. Got and it. We elevate the importance of that show within culture. Mm. And I'm trying to get a job as a teacher, but the show is so popular and there's footage of me beating off or whatever else. And I'm like, well, you can't know like that can't happen. I like that idea a lot. And then I'm like, uh, no, no, that was, that wasn't a documentary. That was right. just, I was playing, that was a character. This right. is the real me. But then the real me gets into the same shit that the doc, you know, the, right, the character yeah, yeah, did. Yeah. You're caught beating off once again. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so then, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to be a teacher and maybe I end up at some like low rent, sketchy, uh, you know, charter school or something yeah. or uh, end up not trying, you know, figuring out. I mean, you know, it would just be a take on like the ramifications or consequences that uh, people who make it big online for questionable things like, well, when that ends, what effect does that have on you trying to be a normal person? Right. Um, it seems like the path now is MMA. We're going <laughs> to yeah, follow the right. Pauls, but <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> so <laughs> you can do that. Oh yeah, boy, that would be fun to shoot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, kind of kick that around. And then that, you know, all of those things I was just talking about that are that come with our age, that would be in that incarnation of the show. Right. Uh, since the original one was just about the character trying to find love and a lot of it was autobiographical with steroids. Sure. Uh, now it's like, well, now I'm in a happy marriage and, uh, you know, I'm not full of self-doubt in that department. And anyway, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, just those are the types of things just kind of kicking around. But even well, if it's I just half an hour 
writing. Yeah. You know, just to like feel each week or something. And well, I told you 12 years ago, I'm not playing any more rapists or scumbags, <laughs> but you know, you got my number, man. There's mm-hmm. nothing I wouldn't, except for that. There's yeah. nothing I wouldn't do for you. <laughs> um, I'm you. all about it. And um, I'm so happy for you. I really am. It really seems like despite the struggles, the recent struggles, they all needed to happen. Yeah. And have led to tremendous like personal growth and you being on the right path and cracking open some stuff that wasn't getting cracked open. And that's, um, that's only for the better dude. And I I have no doubt in my mind that it's only going to lead to you making even better shit when you get back to work in that, in that, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think so too. So yeah, I mean, I'm, thankful uh it has all happened um and looking forward to getting back back to the classroom and um yeah figuring out what's next yeah (laughs) thanks for doing the show man i appreciate you coming back absolutely my pleasure